want to take the time and wish all of you a Merry Christmas. Let me make a few announcements. Don't forget that on New Year's Eve at 5 o'clock is the Medieval Madrigal. I hope I pronounced that right. And on Wednesdays we normally have a Bible study at 10 o'clock. And it is a Bible study, believe me. And um, But there's not going to be any until January the 4th. I know we just get so busy during this time period. And then don't forget our Christmas Eve service. It will be on Christmas Eve at 6 o'clock, half an hour, 45 minutes, and there really is a good video that I think is worth your seeing. I, I th really think you're going to enjoy that. If you have your Bible, turn to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, I'm going to read a familiar story. Now it came to pass that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census took place when Canarius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his engaged wife, who was with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him or in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no room for him in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were greatly afraid. And then the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find the babe wrapped in strips of clothing, lying in a feeding trough. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And so it was when the angels had gone away from them, the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. Now, the, the book of Luke, was written by a gentleman who, who the book gospel bears his name Luke and he was a physician he also authored the book of Acts and it's interesting because if you read in Luke chapter 1 he simply says I wanted to write things in order things that I had seen and I wanted to be an order an order uh, to these things uh, the Luke was an associate of the of the Apostle Paul and Luke was either a Gentile or a Hellenistic Jew. Now a Hellenistic Jew was simply uh, a Greek-speaking Jew uh, who uh, either uh, who adopted to some extent the Greek way of life during that time. 
And I love the Christmas story because there are so many uh, elements and personalities surrounding this story. I mean, you have the prophets of old and the prophecies of old. You have Mary and Joseph. You have the innkeeper. You have the wicked King Herod and his scribes and, and chief priests who didn't even know there was going to be a Messiah born. You had the Magi or the wise men from the east. And you had the angels and the shepherds. And this morning, I want to talk to you about two of the personalities in this story that I just read to you. And the first one I want to talk to you about is shepherds. Now, a shepherd uh, is a very old occupation. As a matter of fact, in Genesis chapter 4, Abel, you know, Adam and Eve had Cain and Abel, and Cain slew Abel. Well, the Bible said that Abel was a keeper of the sheep. And some of our most greatest and most important men in Bible history were shepherds. You have Abraham, you had Moses. Moses was keeping sheep on the backside of the desert uh, when he saw the burning bush. Uh, you have Jacob, you have uh, David, you have the minor prophet Amos. And these were all shepherds. Uh, the occupation was very varied. It was very arduous. He had to, shepherd had to protect his sheep from robbers and wild beasts. He had to search for good pasture and sufficient food. As a matter of fact, uh, Jacob the patriarch said this, In day the drought consumed me, and frost by night, and my sheep departed from my eyes. In other words, my sheep were always wandering off somewhere. Oftentimes in the Bible, your wealth was described by the amount of sheep you had. The Bible says that uh, Job had 14,000 sheep. And um, a gentleman by the name of Nabal, and if you've never read the story, you, you should. He, the Bible said that he was very evil in his doings, and he was harsh. But it says his wife, Abigail, was a very beautiful woman. And uh, he crossed David up, and David took 600 men and went to visit him. And believe me, they were not there to negotiate. He took 600 armed men. And uh, he had, uh, the Bible said he had 3,000 sheep. Now, in the earliest stages of society, shepherding was uh, deemed a very honorable profession. As a matter of fact, the daughter of chiefs didn't think it was beneath them to watch the sheep and to be a, a shepherd. But as time went on, for some reason, the occupation of being a shepherd came to lose much of its dignity. In ancient times, although things sometimes were bought with money, paid money, more often than not, they were bought with milk. They were paid for with milk or wool or with sheep. That was a form of of uh, currency in those days. And the task of a shepherd was very lonely. It was demanding, dangerous. Normally they had the youngest boy in the family uh, was, was a shepherd of the sheep. And um, he probably wore a tunic just of cotton uh, attached around him by a leather belt. Um, his outer garment often would be like camel's hair simply because it kept the, him warm. It shed water. Uh, at night he could use it as a blanket to, to keep himself warm. You know camel's hair, that's what John the Baptist uh, wore. 
the shepherd had a bag that he carried. It was called a script. And the bag was made of a dried skin. And when he left home to tend the sheep, his mother would probably put some bread, cheese, dried uh, fruits in there, and maybe some olives. But he had to contend with other shepherds. Uh, he had to contend for good pasture. He had to contend with water. And although he might have had a dog, he still had to uh, protect the flock from snakes, poisonous snakes, birds of prey, and thieves. And then there were sick sheep to care for. There were pregnant mother ewes that had to be spared too much walking. Um, there were tired lambs that they had to be carried because they couldn't keep up with the flock. He had to find good pasture without poisonous plants in it and good water. And then the shepherds were in daily contact with the dirty, smelly sheep and all of the manure in that that uh, went along with it. Uh, the sheep would get cuts on them and bruises and so uh, the shepherds uh, sometimes would have that blood on their hands or, or and, and so to the good religious people of the day, shepherds were never clean enough to worship with them in the temple. They just, they weren't. Uh, they were treated as outsiders. If a villager owned only a few sheep, what he would do is he'd normally find a shepherd who had another flock, uh, small flock and he would pay that shepherd to keep his flock as well. But that was known, that shepherd was known as a hireling and they had a, a lot of the um, hireling shepherds who took watch more than just their own flock. Uh, they were known to not treat uh, the sheep in their care that wasn't their own. Not very good. As a matter of fact, Jesus referenced that and said that when danger would come, a hireling would, would run and leave the sheep alone. And, you know, maybe the ship, maybe the uh, not caring properly for uh, somebody else's sheep, that might have led to the decline in the dignity and, and reputation of the shepherds. I don't know. And so you've got that. And then add to that uh, corrupt religious leaders who uh, manipulated the, the laws and the religious laws so they could line their own pockets and they wanted to control the people through taxation and religious ma manipulation. And then add to that a cruel Roman government who taxed you and, and was just very harsh. And so being a shepherd in that time was very brutal and very harsh times, very much so. Now the other personality I want to talk to you about is angels. There are good angels and there are evil angels. The evil angels are those who fell when Satan was kicked out of heaven because there was evil found in his heart. These are the angels that decided to, to if you read Revelation I think it's 14 or uh, I think or 12. These are the angels that sided with Satan. And they're also called demons. It's, it's the good angels that, I, that were with the shepherds that I want to talk about this morning. The Bible tells us that angels reside in heaven. Angels are created spiritual beings without permanent 
material bodies to haul around. They don't have bodies like we do. In other words, they don't have the material substance or resistance that we have in our bodies. And they apparently have no physical nature as we know it. They have no breath, they have no blood in their bodies, but they can occupy a permanent body. Uh, the Bible tells us that there are times when they appear as a man and it, in Hebrews it tells you that uh, we should entertain strangers because we might entertain angels without knowing about it. Uh, they do not marry according to Jesus' uh, um, words in Mark chapter 12. They don't marry. And in Luke, uh, just as believers on the Lord Jesus Christ are eternal, angels are eternal. They live forever. Uh, the Bible tells us that there's a great multitude of them. Great multitude. Uh, Psalm 68, 17 said, there are tens of thousands and thousands of thousands. Now, I never was very good at math, but that's a lot. And Jesus, when he was on, when, when, when they arrested him, he said, don't you think I could call 12 legions of angels? Now, a legion is anywhere between three and 6,000. So that was anywhere from 36,000 to 72,000. Now, that's a lot. Let me tell you something. That's a lot. Angels do God's bidding. If you have your Bible, you can turn there, but it's in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14, and it says this, Are not all the angels ministering spirits sent out by God to serve, accompany, protect those who will inherit salvation? Well, who is he talking about when he said those who will inherit salvation? He's talking about people who have made a profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so believe it or not, um, you have angels who, if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, they're sent out to minister to you. They're sent out to protect you, to accompany you. And, and serving and protecting God's people is in line with God's will. And so now... Angels are limited in their power. Now that limitation is based upon how much power God gives them. The Bible tells us in Luke 1.37, I think it is, that only God and God alone is unlimited in his power and his son Jesus. So understand that angels are more than naked babies flying around with bows and arrows that shoot people. That's, that's not angels. As a matter of fact, um, one angel killed 185,000 Syrians alone. Um, they can appear with wings and a flaming sword, or they can take the form of man. Uh, as a matter of fact, Hebrews 13, I had referenced this before, it said, don't forget to show hospitality to believers. Uh, you don't know. By doing this, some believers have shown hospitality to angels without being aware of it. So we could entertain angels, and you're not even aware of it. Um, angels observe us. 1 Corinthians 4.9 tells us that angels observe us, and they are able to rejoice over things that they don't fully understand. In Luke chapter 10, it tells us that, that angels rejoice over one sinner who repents. But the Bible tells us in 1 Peter 
that angels don't understand redemption. Good angels don't understand that. And I'll read the scripture in a minute. They, they don't understand the bondage of sin. Why? Well, they don't have sin. They're, they're sinless. They don't understand uh, the, the bondage of sin that enslaves us. They don't understand the penalty of sin. They see it, but they don't understand it. First uh, Peter uh, tells us, in, uh, one chapter 1 verse 12, tells us, but they are curious about those things. God, 1 Timothy uh, 1, I'm sorry, 1 Peter 1, uh, chapter 1, verse 12. God revealed to the prophets that their ministry was not for their own benefit, but for yours. This is the Apostle Peter now talking to Christians. And uh, for yours. And now you have heard these things from the evangelists who preached the gospel to you through the power of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. The gospel containing wonderful mysteries that even the angels desire to look into and are curious about. See, God's plan of redemption and salvation is something the angels are curious about. And what the Bible tells us, they're curious to look into it. I can tell you this much. I don't understand the, the plan of salvation. I mean... Here is a race of people that was created by God. And that includes you and I. And we mess things up pretty bad. And God, instead of wiping us out and starting all over again, said, you know what I think I'll do? I'll redeem them. Now the word redeem means to take something of greater value to purchase something of lesser value. And so God said, you know what I think I'll do? I think I'll just redeem them. I'll give my son... And he'll be the perfect sacrifice. And he'll pay the debt for sin. Now, I don't know about you. But, I mean, I'm pretty reasonably intelligent. But that makes no sense to me at all. It makes no sense at all. I mean, I'm glad he did it. Don't misunderstand. But that doesn't. You know. And so, the Bible says that um, the plan of redemption and salvation is something the angels are very curious about. And they want to look into. Now, I don't know why the angels appeared to the shepherds that night. Unless it was maybe that Jesus was going to be the great shepherds. Because the shepherds were a despised class of people. As a matter of fact, uh, they weren't even allowed to testify in court in those days. They would, that, that's how despised they were. They were not allowed to testify in a court of law in those days. That's how despised they were. So how surprising is it that this profound message of the birth of the Messiah, the Prince of Peace, was entrusted to one of the lowest classes in society, shepherds. It's interesting. But you know what? In giving this message to the shepherd, God bypassed the professional peacemakers, the politicians. Did you ever think of that? In giving it to the shepherds, he bypassed the professional peacemakers, the politicians. No self-righteous individuals who trusted in their own intellect, their own education, uh, their own wealth, or the system of the world. No, God wasn't about to do that. God has always chosen people who will trust him to work through them. 
You can see that in the Bible in Abraham when God said, Abraham, I want you to get out of your country and I'll show you where to go. Okay. Abraham, I want you to offer your son. Okay. And through a shepherd boy named David and his disciples. And God has always chosen to work through those who would trust him and obey him. Now, in ancient times, when a child was born, normally musicians from the town would gather at the house to greet the child with music. But Jesus was born in a stable in Bethlehem. And therefore the ceremony, that ceremony would have been left out. But you know what? We serve a good God. And God was not about to let the birth of his son go unheralded by some missed earthly tradition. And so the Bible tells us angels took the place of those musicians. And it wasn't just a few. The Bible says in Luke 2.13, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude, a large number of the heavenly army, singing and praising to God, singing glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. What a song. I mean, what a song. What a song. Glory to God. Why? Because... This was God's redemptive plan from before the foundations of the earth conceived in a heart, in his heart of love. Glory to God. And peace on earth, because the Prince of Peace, Jesus, had come to reside, to take residence in this earth for a season. And through his presence on earth and through his ministry, bring everlasting peace to those who would believe on his name and his gift, his death and resurrection. Now Jesus' coming meant peace. Now not necessarily the abolition of war, but it meant peace, a different kind of peace, a peace that only God can give. And man can't take it away from us unless we let him. It's a peace that's resident inside of us, not based on what happens towards us. What a song. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. Goodwill toward men. This was God reaching down to man in his mercy and his grace. You know, we didn't sing it this morning, but as the words in the old Christmas carol, Hark to Herald Angels Sing, says... God and sinners reconciled. God and sinners reconciled. No more would God only reside in some building created by man. Now, through faith in God's Son, God's Spirit would take up residence within the heart of the creation that He loves so much. You and I, believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I can think of no gift that I know of that's ever been given or could ever be given that would surpass the gift of God giving his son Jesus to come to earth. I I just can't. What a gift.
And you know what happens sometimes? Sometimes we get a gift and we look at it and we smile and we say, thank you, I appreciate that. And after the, the giver leaves, we stick it away and we can't wait for our first white elephant that we can give it away as. There are other times when we look at it and we admire it and maybe we even use it for a while, but then after a while we set it down, we put it on a coffee table or a shelf and sometimes we forget about it and we never get the enjoyment from that gift that God intended that we should have. You know, my question this morning is are you getting the use, the full benefit from the gift that God gave us, his son, Jesus Christ? You know, the apostle Peter in 2 Peter chapter 1 said this, that God has given us, has given us all things, all things that pertain to life, our natural, our natural physical being here, everything and godliness. In other words, our spiritual side. And I guess my question for you this Christmas is, are you getting the full benefit of his, of his gift to you, to us? The author, American author and publisher, publishing executive Joseph Bailey wrote a poem. And I just would like to read you a few lines from it because it's so beautiful. Tonight, I will sing praise to the Father who stood on heaven's threshold and said farewell to his son as he stepped across the stars to Bethlehem and Jerusalem. And I will send forth praise to the infinite, eternal son who became the most finite, a baby who would one day be executed for my crimes. Praise him in the heavens. Praise him in the stable. Praise him in my heart. End quote. What have you done with the gift that God given you in the Lord Jesus Christ? That's a pertinent question, I think, this time of the year. Let's pray. Lord, this is a time of celebration. It really is. And Lord, there may be some people today who here who have never or even listening on the podcast who never have received the gift of your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, you made it so simple. All we have to do is say in our heart that we believe that God has raised Jesus from the dead and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and ask forgiveness for our sin. That's it. Or there may be some Lord who at one point have made that confession, but in their relationship with you, they've gotten cold and they're not getting from your gift that you gave us the full benefit that you intended. You love us. And your desire for us, Lord, is only good, not evil. And if there are people here or listening who are in that position, Lord, 
Let them today just say, God, forgive me. I want to make better use of your son. Most importantly, Lord, as with the angels, we sing to you, glory to God in the highest. We praise you for your love for us. We thank you for the gift of your son. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>